Parika Shetata Masetelia Prahashtega Feliata Panti Frekatati Felicata Felimakaita Pani Ashtaprante Gadagadosta Procosta Femikaita Felepanta Frecanta Lisa Pranta Laborogosta Pranta Gadagadagadagadagadaboso Pratali Vrahanta Fenahanta Fatkatosa Pranta Li Catania Prakatosa Parcatata Precatelia Pranta Galevanosto Pranta Lita Procosto Felita Fani Asto Prantali Fefafania Fella Macania Proosta Prete Macaita Felicaita, Fatkatota Tata, Precatania Stafantelis de Prantelaga, Fantu, Elemarcoto Fine, Afranta la Marcotot of Comte of Fine, Afrant of Fine, Marcomte of Fine, Ele Comte Refine, Af Comte Refine, Ale Prentele Refine, to refine, to refine, to refine, to refine, I'm the refine. I'm a refiner, I'm a refiner, I'm the refiner, I am the refiner, I am the refiner, Elemario Fine, I've come to find you, to find you, to find you, for I am the refiner, Lipante, Eli Kashto Prekati, for you see, I am a good God, I am a good God, and I am the only wise God, and I am the great God, and I am. I am, even I, I am, even I, I am, even I, I am, for I have no beginning of days nor end of life, for I am, I am, for I sele poste gata vilosto prata, le frecatata, falisto pro, for you begin to ought to have a fear of me, you begin to ought to have a fear and a reverence of me, for you see, I have broken, I am come, I am come to break the chains of brass. I've come to break the fetters of iron. I've come to take you. It doesn't matter how deep in lie you've gone or how great an image of lie has been raised. I've come to pull down. I've come to destroy. I've come to tarnish and destroy the images of darkness. I've come to break the bones, the bones and take out of the grave. I've come to raise. I've come to raise. I've come to raise. I have come to raise. I have come to raise. I've come to give light, for you see, precoste feta, I am a refiner, I am a refiner, and I've come to refine, I've come to refine, I've come to refine, I come with my fire, I come with my fire, and I say, pass through my fire, that you may be fine, that you may be fine, for I am the refiner, and I have my fire with me, I bring my fire, I bring my fire, I bring my fire, that you be resurrected, that you will be raised out of the grave, that your chains will be loosed, that you will be loosed, that you will be loosed. I've come to refine. I am the refiner's fire, and I bring my burning light. I bring my burning light. I bring my burning light to break the bonds of darkness in the depths of the heart, to break the hold of the enemy. It is by my fire. It is by my fire. For whatsoever you build will be tried by my fire. So pass through my fire. For that is the way your building will not be consumed. So I say, pass through my fire. I 
I bring my fire to you. It is out of my goodness. It is out of my mercy. It is out of my greatness that I bring my fire to man that you may come to the beginning light. For I am in the beginning. I am in the beginning. I am in the beginning. So come to the beginning light. You have to pass through my fire to come to that beginning light. So come to the beginning light. We await you. We await you there. We await you there. So do not look at yourself and say, I am this, I am that. For pass through my fire. The solution is my burning light. Come through the burning light. Come through that burning light. And you would come to the beginning light. For Lisikatose, Prokoshta, for Lese Prate. For every man that come through the burning light is a man after, after the likeness, after the likeness of God. So come, come. I say come. I say come. Do not be weary. Do not be weary. Do not be weary. So come. Come. I call you. I am awaiting. I am awaiting. I am awaiting. For I want to open my slides. I want to open the beginning light. The light of man. The light of man. The light of man. The original light of man. It is the shining light. It is the shining light. It is the shining light. We want to open it. But you have to come through the burning. I have to break the bonds of darkness. I have to break the fetters of iron and the fetters of chains that you've been bounded with. I have to take you out of the grave. So pass through, pass through the refiner. I come as a refiner to refine you that you may be fine for to come into the perfect light, even the perfect light, even the beginning light. I am the God of the beginning. I am the God of no hand. I am that great God. I am, I am speaking to you. strong. I think that's what she's sensitive to that. 
have a feeling that she can just continue all day. Uh, but the Lord has a, he has a message for us. He has something that he wants to say. Um, the Lord will help us to, to see him, to behold him um, with our, the eyes of our heart, our soul. Thank you. Lord Jesus, we honor you. We reverence you. Lord Jesus, we yield to you now. of the covenant, our sanctifier, purifier, you who purify the sons of Levi, refine them to offer up an offering in righteousness. Our Lord, we reverence your presence. You are so holy, you are so beautiful, you are so lovely lovely to our soul thank you to this morning thank you thank you for the spirit of the Lord that's here the spirit in his dimensions spirit of sanctification for for purging for renewal for for holiness, the spirit of holiness, Feratalofia Altofia, Verenizos Zuste, Temeni Kai Elpus, Elprasaita, Olitai Kai, Valo, Payanota, Panyota, Padianota, Paranayota, Feleto Alta, Falana Alta. For an altar, I find an altar, find your altar, find it on your altar, I find it on your altar, I'm only on your altar, every on your altar, bring your altar, precious to find to cost, to mysterious, to consecrate, to consecrate your altar, to deny to consecrate your altar, to many altar, to make you an offerer, to bring you into the ministry of holy things. Holiness, to open holiness, to shed a bite or die, break hard to distend, to untrend, to unveil, to unveil holiness, to make to to purify you, to purify you, to sanctify you, to mestenal to help you. To help you, to help you, Amen. to help you, for Anna to help you, for Anna to see her, for an altar, for an altar, for an altar, for an altar. I bring you, we bring you, we bring you, bring you blessing, blessing of the sanctified life, blessing of the holy life. Yes, Lord. 
even a life that is in Jesus, that is in Jesus, that is in Jesus. Come to bless you with holiness. Bless your heart with holiness to make you pure, to make you separate, to make you sanctified, to separate unto, 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 unto unto your maker and unto your Lord. Thank you, Spirit of God. Bless you. Come and bless us today. We are asking for the blessing of the Spirit, even impartation, even encounters, encounters, weight of graces, glorious things that will rest upon our vessel to make us to align us with your standard of holiness. Thank you, our Father. We give all the glory and all the praise, all the praise to your holy name. Thank you. Thank you, Jesus. Lord, I pray, help my heart to connect fully with you, to flow with your spirit, whether so ever, so blow it where it listed, hear the sound, sound thereof sound thereof. Hear the sound thereof. You can't tell whatsoever. Come it. Go it. But we have been raised to walk with the Spirit, not to follow the Spirit. Help my heart. Help us today on the flow. Because your Spirit, He knows the location of blessing. If we follow the Spirit, He will lead us into blessing. Holy Spirit, help, help me. Help us collectively as we Take just this short time to follow your voice, speak to us, pray, come and let it be a breakthrough. Father, both in understanding and in the release of grace, bless you, our Father. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. see the, the different places. Glory to God. Okay, let's, just, let's just see Isaiah. Let's start from Isaiah. Um, in the year that King Uzziah, that's chapter 6, amen. <clears throat> in the year that King Uzziah died, I saw also the Lord sitting upon a throne, high and lifted up, and his train filled the what? His train filled the temple. Amen, so the train there, I think is the train of his robe. Hallelujah. (laughs) So, Isaiah saw the Lord sitting upon a throne. So this throne, I don't know, is it a throne in the most holy? Is it, because it says, it didn't say the throne, right? He said that he's sitting upon where? A throne. Normally, they don't say, they won't say a throne. They say, normally the Bible says the throne, the throne of God, right? So a throne, but maybe 
is um, trying to say the vision from the, the point of Isaiah seeing the vision was probably, uh, you know, this is a vision from the holy place. Um, so it could have been he saw into the, where the throne in the most holy is. Um, amen. But I think the significant thing here is speaks about um, he said the throne is high and lifted up, and then he says that his train, there's a train, is a train of his, of his garment, but he doesn't say it explicitly. Praise God. Hallelujah. He says that his train, so even though it's a garment, but this train has something to do with him. That's the Lord himself. And so I see this train as when you, when, if you see him upon his throne, you can, you can trace he who sits upon the throne all the way back through his temple. Right? That, that's to, to tell you that if someone has, um, I'm just seeing the picture, for example, of a bride. I don't know these days they're not. They don't. I don't know if they still do it, but she's a bride is the only picture I can think of of someone who has a long train of what is it? What is it called? Of the wedding dress, right? Imagine. I know back in the day that thing used to be quite long, right? It just. Uh, so when she's walking up the aisle, she passes through, and then she's at the altar. Well, sometimes, you, when she's at the altar, but you can see the train of her robe. Praise God. Yeah. Well, that train signifies something. That train is an evidence of a path. Do you see that? It's an evidence of what? Of a path that... If, where do you find the train is in is the way or the path that the fellow passed through. You won't find the train of his robe somewhere else. How did the train get to the temple? That will tell you that the way to the throne is through the temple. Praise God. That's clear, right? Is a train. So this, what Isaiah was, and he said that the train filled the temple. If the train filled the temple, it means that this he who sits on the throne has walked around that temple. First of all, he has a very long train, and he has covered all the right the square inches everywhere in the temple, and then from the temple, he, he has proceeded to where? To the throne. And of course, if student of the Bible, you understand that this is almost like a description of the path of Jesus. Glory to God. Hallelujah. The path of who? Jesus, who ascended, the Bible says when he ascended, he didn't just first go, he first, and he, he the Bible says he purified the holy places. He went into heaven and he went into all the holy places in heaven and he had a kind of ministry which 
he did in those places before he eventually went up to the throne and he sat upon the throne. Glory to God. Hallelujah. So this throne is, is also a proof, is a proof of the path to God's kind of throne that anybody who will get to the throne, we've seen that promise from the book of Revelation chapter three, that last church, he said that he that overcome it, will I grant to sit where with me in my throne, even as I overcame and sat with my father in his throne. Praise Revelation 3 verse 21. So you're seeing that what they're doing is um, defining a pathway. Let me open that quickly in my Bible. Praise Jesus. I feel the Lord Jesus wants to just speak about himself. There are things about him, his path, his things that he has done, um, which he wants to show us um, concerning, amen. Thank you, Father. Glory to God. Oh, hallelujah. Amen. Verse 21, it says, To him that overcometh, will I grant to sit with me in my throne, even as I also overcame and am set down with my father in his throne. So in, in the throne, you'll find two fathers. First of all, before we get there, I don't know who, I, who has gotten there, but before we get there, you'll find two fathers. One father who descended into it, from praise God, we just know in terms of words where he came from. We can't explain where he came from. He came from, he came from eternity. We know that he didn't only come from eternity. He came from the realm invisible, right? So he might have dropped from invisibility into where immortality, into eternity. And are you getting what I'm trying to say? For him to be on the throne, amen. And so, but so you see one who came there from where he came, but you see another father who is sitting with his own father, praise God, on that throne who didn't, he didn't come from there. He, he found, they, they gave him a passage from beneath. Do you see that? From beneath to, is to create a way when he said that I am the way, the truth, and the life, that no man come, no man come to who? The Father. So it's clear that the way that he is is a way that leads to his Father. He knows where the Father is. Praise God. And so Jesus is inside Jesus is the way that leads to the Father. There's a place in the Spirit where the Father was awaiting in the, his throne. Praise God. Hallelujah. And then Jesus was able to find that place. The Bible called it his right hand. Was the father that said to him, sit down on my right hand until I do make your enemies your footstool. Praise Jesus. So, but we know that while the, this father who is Jesus, he's a father, he's an everlasting father, according to Isaiah chapter 9. Right? Wonderful counselor. 
the mighty God, and then the what? The everlasting Father, then finally, the Prince of Peace. Amen. <laughs> the Prince of what? The Prince of Peace. Um, he's an everlasting Father, then he became the Prince of Peace. He's clear, the person who is really sitting on the throne is the Prince of Peace. Do you know that while Jesus was, was walking the earth, before he went to the cross, he was already an everlasting father. Yeah. He had, he had, he's already become an everlasting father. He was already a father in the spirit. But there is the journey that we fathers take, which is fathers are concerned with the coming into the, with, with taking their seat with God. That's the, the concern of fathers. That was actually the destiny of Adam. Adam, who was our father, they call him the father of all men, all mankind, all men living. God raised Adam as a father, and whose destination was, Adam was supposed to find the throne of God, to sit on the throne of God. That was the reason for the tree of life. If he didn't have a destiny, about the throne, you will not find the tree of life in the Garden of Eden because we know that the tree of life is, is if you only find the tree of life on the street that leads to the throne, yes, sir. according to Revelation chapter 21. So that tree of life, we know that there's, we also know there wasn't just a tree of life in Eden, we also know there was also a street, and the street that is paved by the or I call it by the throne for access is a river street. This is not a street of, of just a normal land. When the Bible speaks about the street of it, that's Revelation 21, it calls it the street of it. The street of what? It is the street of a river. He showed me a pure river of water of life, clear as crystal, proceeding out of the throne of God. Praise Jesus. And I said, okay, no, this is the street of the city. I agree. It's also part of the city. Do you see that? Because the throne is in also in the city. Because the Bible says the throne of God shall be in it. That's in the, from the beginning, I think verse 3 or so, of chapter 21. Praise God. It says, and there shall be no more cause, but the throne of God and the Lamb shall be where? In where? In the new city or the new heaven. Praise God. Hallelujah. Now, so this um, street is a street which the, the river that is flowing from the throne. So when you hear the word street, street does not mean ground. Street doesn't mean ground. Street is a particular passage that's defined. It can be made of anything. The, in, the, in the world to come is a street of gold. Do you see that? They call it street of gold. It's a street. It's made with gold. You can have street made with sand. You can have street made of gravel. You can have street made of, made of asphalt or whatever. Amen. But then, then you can have a street of water. So it's very clear that in the city, there are streets of gold in the city, but there's a particular street 
in the city that's not just bare gold, that's actually the street of a river. Right, a river can, when you see a river, actually in a map, it's actually a street. You can draw out a, every river is a street. Right, street. The river is a giant street that other streets can break out of. Those are streams, right? Every stream is a street, is a, a breakout street from a river. Right, so there's a river whose streets thereof make glad the city of God. Whose streams, sorry, whose streams, river whose streams thereof make glad the city, praise God. So. The, every stream of a river is a type of street. The river itself is like a major street from where streams can, what, can come out of. Praise God. Hallelujah. Glory to Jesus. Hallelujah. Glory to Jesus. Hallelujah. Amen. That 21, Revelation it says, 22, sorry, um, verse 1. Let's go again from verse 1. He showed me a pure river of water of life, clear as crystal, that's proceeding out of the throne of God and of the Lamb, verse two, in the midst of the street of it, that's the street of the river, that's in the middle, when you see the river, the middle of the street, and then on either side, so you have on this side of the street, that's beside the river, on this side, beside the river, and also in the middle of the street of the river, was there the tree of life, which bear what, 12 manner of fruits, and yielded her fruit every month. And the leaves of the tree were for the healing of the nations. Praise Jesus. Amen. So you can see this, this um, water, the water is proceeding, right? But the water is a street for, for movement that is contrary to the current of it. Right, movement that is what contrary to the current is coming from the throne, but you must use that river to get to the throne. So, that river actually, any, anyone who is not qualified for the throne, that river will just carry you away to push you. It's, it's actually a force that's flowing outside of the throne. Amen. So when you speak of overcoming, overcoming is actually gaining some kind of power to, to go against the current. It's almost like to move or to swim, to swim against. You saw, Ezekiel saw such a vision in the book of Ezekiel. Praise Jesus. Hallelujah. And the closer you get to the source, the river gets higher. Right, as it kept showing, and this river was flowing out from the temple in the book of Ezekiel. Praise God. Hallelujah. And the closer you get, the higher it becomes until you get to a point where you can't walk in it, you must have to swim. So you, there has to be a program in, inside that can swim against the current. Are you getting what I'm trying to say? So, this is just a picture of this. Amen. Amen. So I want you to also see, in a sense, that the, 
you see that the, the river has, the throne has a river, which is a type of a street. Mm-hmm. Now, the, means the path to the throne. Now, God's throne has in unchangeable characteristics. Unchangeable characteristics. In the eternal, this throne here is the throne in the world to come, which is the eternal throne of God. But we see the throne of God at different levels. You see it in the temple. Ezekiel's temple throne is not the temple of, of Solomon, right? It's not the temple of Solomon. It's not the temple of when they rebuilt again. It's not the one that Zerubbabel built. There's another one they said is Herod's temple or what? It's not any of those temples. That one, the, when you look at this specification, it's never been built on the earth before. That one is speaking of another temple. It's actually the, the actual temple which entities of this world, which is the world to come. It's very clear that Solomon's temple can't raise entities of the world to come. No temple that has been built on the earth can raise entities of the world to come. But Ezekiel was just describing a specification. It's clear that the temple of Ezekiel, Moses didn't say anything about that temple. The measurement, a lot of things of the temple are not found in what God gave to Moses in terms of how to build a temple, a tabernacle, sorry. Neither is it in the pattern that came from God to Solomon through, through David of building the temple. Praise God. Hallelujah. So it's, to that temple is a temple of another world is a temple of the world to come. When they say, and there's no temple there, because a temple was there, but a temple has been, has done its job and has been removed. Praise Jesus. So, um, I believe, if we're just following the Bible, that the picture of chapter 22 of Revelation that picture, there was a picture before that picture where you find the throne, you find the river, and after, after some time you find a temple that the river flows through. Are you getting that? And that must have been at some point because it doesn't tell you where does the river end. It just said it keeps flowing. Right, and at some point, when the river is in the city, to me, I believe you can follow that river into the city. When you find the river in the city, the portion of the river in the city, all you find is trees. You don't find temple. You find what? Trees. But I believe if you come out of the city, and you keep following the river, there must have been a point, a temple point, where the river what, flows through. And that temple is for the raising of entities who will be city entities. The raising of people who will be able to, at some point, worship God without a temple. Who will, who will be able to worship God with God. 
right? You, you use temple to worship. After some time, when the temple has graduated you, then I say you now begin to use God to worship. Or what I mean, use God, is talking about you use, have to use their direct light. Do you see that? There is a light of the, every temple has a light. That's actually, temples are defined according to their different graduations of light. Courts have an open light, which you can use an outside light while you are in the court of a temple. When you move into the sanctuary dimension of a temple, it changes into a kind of a burning light, which can be used there. When you move into the most holy, it changes into what a it changes into a shining light, which is the light of the glory. Praise God. Hallelujah. Are you seeing that? But when they say in chapter 2, 20, 21 verse 20, 22, it says, I saw um, no temple, glory to God, so of course no light. No, I saw no temple there in verse 22. For the Lord God Almighty and the Lamb are the word temple of it. So if they are the temple of it, it's clear that if there is no temple, there will be no light. Because the temple is the, is the only legitimate supplier of light. Any, in, God's, in God's mind, any light that doesn't come from temple is not a real light, it's a fake light. It's called, or you call it the light of the element. Right? The, the light of the element is not, men should not live by, ex, by external light of element. Man should live by a kindled light that, uh, that, is, that, is, that comes from a kind of wisdom of worship. A wisdom of what? So any light that is not um, illuminating the worship of God is, not, is an illegitimate light. No man should live by any light that's not illuminating the word worship of God. It's clear that the light outside which men use, or the light which is in this world is not illuminating the worship of God is actually illuminating another kind of worship. It's to help souls to give worship to the enemy, to someone who is not God. Amen. But the reason why you have a temple, you can have a temple is so that a temple will bring in another light, a different light by which that defines worship that will make someone live according to the pleasure of God. Praise Jesus. So you can see then that there will be a time when the soul will be using the light of temple, but the ultimate goal is when the soul will begin to use the light of God himself, the light of God himself and the light of his lamb. Right? The light of God himself and who, and the light of, that's why he said the city had no need of the sun, neither of the moon to shine, for the glory of God did lighten it. And then the word, the lamb is the light thereof. Glory to Jesus. 
Amen. Amen. So one thing you see, I'm just showing you a throne here, right? Then you see there's a throne also of, this is a throne of God without temple. Then there are thrones with temple. That is a kind of throne that is embedded within the temple. Right, and it's clear that one of such thrones is what Isaiah saw in Isaiah chapter 6. Right, he saw a throne that is within a temple. But you see, when you follow the pattern, you see that every throne has a, a path, a street that leads to it. That's how God designed it. Every throne has a street that leads to it. Both in the world to come, we see it. And you see it in also the temples. One big difference between the temple of the, or between the throne of the world to come and the throne of the temples, which we see is the absence of veils. In the temple, especially the ones that they, right, that they showed from the Old Testament, you see that there is, the throne is there, but, and there is actually a path that goes all the way through the what, temple towards the throne, but at each point they put veils to obstruct the movement directly to the throne. Praise Jesus. So the, the vision of Isaiah, quickly go back to Isaiah chapter 6. The vision of Isaiah, he said that um, in the year that King Uzziah, that I also saw the Lord sitting upon the throne and then was high and lifted and then what? His train filled the temple. So of course they gave Isaiah a vision, right, of his heart to see the throne and then to then see the train, how his train feel, or the path of the train of the Lord. It's clear that, that when a bride, for example, is walking um, on an aisle, that there is the aisle itself, which is a, a way. But when you follow the train, is also a way that was that is also on the path, even but which has the evidence of having been followed, having been something someone has passed through. That's what they call what by a new and living way that has been consecrated for us. So it's clear that. What consecrates the way, actually, or an hour for consecrated is also has been paved for us. Has been paved, has been made available for us. What consecrate the, what the, the path is the, 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 the train of the garment of the Lord. 
And do you see that? What consecrates the path is what? The train of the what? Garment of the Lord. So it's clear. The reason why the Lord could be seen is because of the following of his train. His train, because he has made that way open, and he leaves a trail on his... That trail is that for those who are coming to be able to see that train and to follow that train. If you follow him, that train, you get to where he is. So that will tell you that the secret of getting to where the Lord is is by following his garment. Right. Are you seeing that? It's by what? It's by following his garment. What garment is that? That garment is also a wedding cloth. We are not the only one who gets married. Somebody has already got married too. Jesus got married to his father. Jesus went through his own marriage. Without that marriage is talking about the covenant that makes you an inheritor of the throne. Without being married, you cannot be an inheritor of what? Of the throne of God. That's also, when they will say, for example, the head of the man is the woman. And the head of every, head of the woman is the man. And the head of what? Every man is Christ. And the head of Christ is God. Those are head-body relationships. Right? Every head-body relationship is a marriage. That's how you define marriage in the spirit. Marriage means head-body. For example, your head is married to your body. It's a marriage. Right? Relationship between the man and the woman, same type. It's a mystery between Christ and the church. Same type of reunion between God and Christ. Do you see that? Amen. Amen. So in the book of Revelation, you see the woman with her own robe. They showed it in chapter, is it chapter 19 of Revelation. Praise God. Hallelujah. The marriage of the Lamb. Amen. Amen. His wife has made herself ready. And then to her was granted that she should be arrayed in fine linen, clean and white, for the fine linen is what? The righteousness of saint. It's clear that she is not only the wearer of a robe. Later you saw the Lord himself with his own garment, his own vesture. That, chapter 19, verse 13. And he was clothed with what? A vesture that was dipped in blood. And his name is what? Is called the word of God with a vesture. So he had his own vesture. This is the destiny of those other ones. You have to, after you get married, then you get dipped in blood. Right, you, you get married and then you get what? You get dipped in blood. To, 
to be dipped in blood is to receive the coloration of God. Because he that sits upon the throne has this coloration. So the, when they say dipped in blood for Jesus, it was, it's just a proof telling you that this one, he has gotten married already. So he bears the color of him that sits upon the throne, who is to look upon like a jasper and, and like a sardine stone. So eventually everybody will receive that same color. Yeah. Well. That color is the color of the throne or the color for the throne. Everyone who will arrive at the throne must have that color. But you, you can only get that color by marriage. So pre-marriage, the wife who has made herself ready looks white, right? But white linen. But after marriage, her color must change. Right? After marriage, her color must change into the, what, the same color of who she admires. She has married into a blood family, right? It's a family of a specific blood which, which runs in them. Glory to Jesus. That's the blood of God. That's the blood of God. That is, the, is the life of God. That, that life is there. Is their pigmentation. Amen. It tells, tells you that. Uh, so you can see that there is, there is a divine life that it hasn't yet been colored. Then there is a divine life that has gotten the what the uh, yes that is the eternal coloration of the being is is actually the color of the throne. So when you see that picture of chapter twenty of chapter three of Revelation, when you overcome, you sit with me, right in my throne, even as I overcame. And I sat with my, I'm sat with my father on the throne. They are all set there in that coloration. But that process of getting into that place is what you call overcoming. And over, overcoming is the, the fight to receive pigmentation of, in the divine life. It's a kind of a, it's a war, it's a challenge, it's a challenge of blood. Of God. That's chapter 12 was saying that, right, when you saw the dragon, the great red dragon, that's the color zone. Uh-huh. Right? <laughs> is the, that season is, the, is, the, is, the, is the, the contention of red beans. Is a, is a, and the contention of red beans is a contention for the throne. Right? It's everything about that time has to do with the throne. It's about the throne. Glory to Jesus. And Satan will do everything to fight. Why is that men don't come into that life, that eternal life of God, right? That no man should come there. No man should be read. Because if man becomes read, you have, that is, the, that is his only edge over man. Do you agree? It is what? That is his edge. It's an edge he has over man. It's clear that Adam 
had not fully come into everything, even though that was his destiny. In fact, God called him by, by that name. The word Adam means a man of what? A man of the red earth. Amen. So, so that word red earth, it just means Adam was a, a kind of God, but he was a God of the earth. But you can't bring a red man of the earth to stand against a red and a red man of heaven, which is who Satan was. Do you get what I'm saying? That was a red man of the earth. Nice, Adam said, I like your redness, it's very nice, but uh, this thing, Satan could still bamboozle him, even though because he came from what the, a different kind, his own pigmentation was of another kind of realm that was higher than Adam's own. Praise Jesus. So that Revelation 12, it says that um, I saw a great red dragon, of course. The dragon stood before the woman which was ready to be delivered for to devour her child as soon as it was born. Verse 5. Then, and she brought forth a man-child who was to do what? To rule all nations with a rod of iron. And her child was then what? Caught up unto God and to his throne. So you can see that this being caught up is what Jesus was talking about to that church in chapter 3, right? That he that overcometh, right, will I grant to sit with me in my throne. So that being caught up is as a result of overcoming. But Jesus said, I also overcame. Do you see that? So Overcoming actually is a type of a marrying. The school of the journey of everlasting life is to get married. Do you have you has it occurred to you before that when you say when they are what is, what is everlasting life? Everlasting life means how they marry. How can how can a man, bring a man who is a perfect man, then you have God on this side. Can an eternal God and a perfect man get married? No. How do you marry them? That's, it's not the, the God who will come down. The man must have something that will join him to God. So it's clear that everlasting life is the marriage realm. Right? Do you see that? Yes, Everlasting life is what? It's the marriage, is the, or you call it, is the marriage. In the spirit, marriage is not an event. In the spirit, marriage is a school. Do you know that even in the natural, right? Marriage is also what? Your wedding day is not the marriage. That's when you are starting, right? When a, a man, all that's happened when you're getting married, that's even if it happens, is you have left your father and your mother. But to cleave to your wife, the cleaving takes a lifetime. That's what the whole, your whole life, you'll be using it to cleave. To, see, and, and then, socially, father leaves his mother, the man leaves his father and his mother, and then you cleave to his wife. And then the twin, the two shall become one flesh. Jimmy, are you one flesh yet? No? <laughs> right? And 
Forget about courtship, all those things. That's not. <laughs> there's nothing. <laughs> courtship is not. After you get, even after getting married, give it some time, like some some years, maybe some. Then you, the real thing will then start. You understand what I mean? Which is the. It means that it means that what happens in marriage is a place of dying. You can't. It's a place where you go to die. You go to. Where, who you wear ends, right? The other person who they wear ends, then all you will see is one new thing. That's, what, that's the beauty of marriage. Any marriage that's not producing one new thing, it's not, it's not doing its job. If you are just seeing two guys who are just hanging around, trying to match their, figure out themselves and you know, come to a, a consensus, or you do this today, I do that tomorrow, you do that today, we're just no consensus kind of thing. Until one day when consensus cannot consent, when there is. <laughs> then what will happen? Bye bye. So you, so you know that divorce is a proof that marriage did not happen. You know that? You don't know that? It's a proof now. It's a proof that actually marriage never really occurred. Two people who actually got married can never. Oh, so who is he half that will go? <laughs> half cannot go. If if you really married, if you think of living, you just it's a it's a non conversation because you can't exist as half. You understand? You just know it's not possible anymore. I'm only half. Do you get what I'm? But if you are still one, you never married. One day, ah, this thing is no longer. You, get you can go back. Amen. So, so, this, so it's clear that that marriage is a place of death, right? It's a place where two disappear. One new thing comes, right? That's what everlasting life is. Everlasting life is that uh, is uh, amen. Praise God. When Jesus Jesus came, then the Father came. After some time, Jesus said, now I and my Father, we are one. It means that a marriage has happened. Any time you hear two becoming one, it's the language of a marriage. Do you see that? That's the proof that Jesus got married to his Father. When you say, I and him, we are one. It's like the language of marriage, and the two shall become one. It means that they also married. Amen. So in that marriage, he is a man, he's also God. Praise Jesus. So he can sit. Thank you, Father. So when you're saying, when you are, when you are to overcome the red dragon is to receive the redness of the divine nature. Right, which is to call, that redness has to do with their is is their is their the redness actually is their is the full gene, the complete genetics of their divine nature. Right, of their when it has been fully formed. Then you begin to, the person who, in whose such genes have, been, have come into, such a person begins to think like a God. Mm-hmm. Right? You begin to think. When they say, ah, like, imagine, now imagine if, if Adam had got into that place and then Satan came and began to tell Adam, 
look at that tree, this one, that one, that one, that one, that one, what will happen? And then, no matter the argument of Satan, because of the, 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 what Satan brought will not be valid. You can't tell a God, you will be as God. You know, that was what he was saying, you will be as God, discerning good and evil. And Satan was tempting Adam with something he didn't really have yet. Right? It's very clear Adam had the knowledge of good and evil of the earth. He had some, that's why God could trust him with naming earthly things. Name a lion, you know what will be good as a nature for the lion. I trust you, it's in you. You know what a lion should be like, call him that. And he won't make, he didn't make any mistake. The Bible says, whatever Adam called them, that's what they were. God didn't review it and say, hey, Adam. This one, <laughs> you get what I mean? Now I want to tell you, understand how high Adam was to name all the animals. The fact that a, a spider is not behaving like a monkey. So you get what I'm saying? You know all those things, when they say go to the air and study his ways, when all those behavior, their names of animals. I mean, Adam could program behaviors all kind of things right into the those animals praise Jesus but then a being from the heavens now came to talk to him about another dimension of good and evil he's talking about the level of judgment of a higher creature and Adam himself knows he doesn't have that kind. Even though he can smell what that kind of judgment looks like, because when he talks with God, he can tell that God is speaking from a place. You understand what I mean? That is, it's like how, does, how God judges, for example. Right? When you, you want to do something, you feel that's how it should be. You, you're about to do it. Then the Spirit of God will talk to you. And when the Holy Ghost talks, you now take a step back and you you now, you now see yourself, Kai. See how convinced I was about this thing. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. <laughs> Has happened to you before? Yes, sir. You 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 be shocked by with, by yourself. Then you also get a little bit ashamed about yourself because you were so convinced about doing this thing that was right until the spirit of God was able to break through to you. Then you now realize that there is a being who thinks like this normally. Do you get what I'm trying to say? You know, we get instructions drop by drop. You just, and from time before it comes down to your level, it has actually depreciated to come down to where you are. So you just pick the little bit of it from, that you can actually comprehend. But it's possible that what the Lord is actually saying is very weighty. In terms of the weight of his judgment. Like how, imagine how God is managing all of men all of humanity, all of mankind, and the project hasn't ended since. With all of our varying shades of stupidity, God has been managing to keep the race, human race, going. Now, a man can't do that. Only God can do that. And in doing that, he even employed the devil. The devil is working for him. Do you understand? Because devil's own kind of red, it's not God's kind. It's still lower. God created it. God created a type of a God. Do you understand what I mean? Wow. Satan, it's something about Satan. Satan can never 
think beyond his creation voltage. Do you know what? I don't that's the best word I can use to describe it. So even though he's a kind of a God, great red, great, but his greatness has a limit. It's not Satan can never be greater than the virtue God used to create him. Do you get what I'm saying? God just used something. Is it God just moved into a, a descended to a particular economy of wisdom, right? And beauty. And all of those things. And then God picked from there and said, I will make a, a man from this economy of wisdom. But God's own economy is something else. God is where God calculates from. That's why he knows everything Satan will ever do. He knew that at some point he will help me kill my son. He knew that everything that Satan is doing, God can factor him into the situation. Even now, Revelation 12, he wanted to devout God factor. God knows that in marriage, you need opposition. And we'll give this job to somebody who will do it. You know, marriage is about overcoming challenges. That's how you become one. Charlie must go through challenges. But God said, I will, I, will, I will bring a God who, if we need a school for becoming a God, the, the tests and the trials for graduation in that school has to be brought by a kind of a God. So who should do it? Let's employ Lucifer, son of the morning, right? Who is who is, has framed himself into an adversary. Right, that's what they were describing here, and your adversary, the devil, that devil, and Satan, devil and Satan. That, the word Satan means adversary. So he's a devil and he's a Satan. A devil means who does evil. So he says, your, when he says devil and Satan, it means the doer of evil who is an adversary. Adversary has to do his doing of evil has to do with more of his his sense for doing bad things, right? So think of Satan as somebody. This is how to, how to picture Satan. Think of a perfect hybrid between a a bad degenerate psychopathic offender, murderer. A hybrid between that person and the most skillful lawyer into one individual. That's Satan for you. So he's a person, he can, he can do the greatest evil and defend himself in court. Now, and he's not even going to defend himself, which he does, but, it's, but in, when he's an adversary, it's, it's not even mainly, it's someone who's an adversary He's not even mainly, he's not a defense attorney mainly. He's a prosecutor. Yes, so he's somebody who can do evil and find a way to arrest somebody else and be the lawyer to do what? To send them. Deadly, deadly being. Very terrible. And he's doing that as a god. All the powers of a god. Now how can mankind stand such a person if we don't have, we don't have help? There's no way. There's actually no way. 
That's why we need to be very careful about you know all kinds of things. You know this age of you know this is the age of advocacy, right? Some people their job is that think of the most secret evils that people are doing and nobody's talking about and go and advocate for them, right? This social justice warfare and all those things. See, social justice. There's nothing like social justice. <laughs> the society can never be just. So, even the phrase social justice is again, is a defeated phrase. What is making men unjust? It's too deep. It's, it's, it's the gene of a cherub, of a devil. Who, do you understand what I mean? A lot of you know social justice and then different things that came out of that. Fem- say feminism. feminism. <laughs> say feminism. 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 That one is actually that one is just that one is just. It's not that that one is bad. That one is just sad. You you get. You know why it's so sad. Because who is a feminist? Somebody who fights for women. What well, mainly is fighting men, right? <laughs> but the, the, the sadness of feminism is that femin- when, you see, when you see most feminists, they look sad. They look, they look, it's actually one of the worst things against women, right? At the core of feminism is a disdain for, uh, is a disdain really, is it is is a kind of disdain for manhood, right? But it's not really a disdain for manhood. Is a disdain for manhood, whose solution is the destruction of womanhood. That will tell you that the people who are doing they are not the ones in control. Actually, the spirit behind feminism is a wicked spirit that hates women. That's how you can tell. Check who is being affected. You tell who is changing. The woman, most feminists, most feminists look more like men than women. Right? Because somehow, uh, yeah, <laughs> it's true. If you are into such things, repent. <laughs> Amen. Repent too, because and a lot of uh, one thing you know how you know this is my big problem with a lot of this social warrior is that let's assume that there's been an evil, right? It, maybe a class of people have been victimized. Right. Let's say you have a victims, victims of particular. Let's say for let's for example, a woman have been victimized by men, and because of that they have a bad image experience, and that experience is valid. There's nothing wrong with that, because men are they're evil too. Men are not men are just evil. You understand? In terms of both men and women are evil. Both of them. You understand what I'm saying? So, 
So it's clear that there will be in the world women who have been taken advantage of by men in all kinds of ways. But the, the truth is that, now imagine a woman who has, been, who has had experience in her life because of an experience of failures of men means most likely what she has seen about men is the most, is the weakest, is man at his weakest. Do you get what I'm saying now? Imagine such a person now having a strong idea of what, what men should be. You're not qualified. Your victim who doesn't qualify you to fix the problem. The truth is that the only women who, if, if men need fixing, which of course they do, and women are the ones who should do the job. Let's assume it's women who should fix men. Let's assume. The only women who are qualified to fix men are women who, who know awesome men. Yeah. Are women who, do you understand what I mean? Yeah. You can't say that you, or your, maybe your father was an abuser, your brother was an abuser, all the men you know are abusers, and you now say, because they are abusers, you are the one who should now say, no. Do you get what I'm trying to do? All you know is brokenness. Yeah. You don't know what the real picture is. Yeah. And that's the characteristic you find with every single of those movements, is people trying to fix problems from brokenness. You can't fix, you get what I'm trying to say? But the truth is that nobody can fix anybody. Yeah. That's the truth of the whole matter that everybody just needs Jesus. <laughs> right? There are some concepts that you run away. Number one, any concept has to do with fixing a system. And when you hear such things, <laughs> fixing a system or fixing the world, fixing the society, Fixing, you know, most of the time it's fixing things that you can't even define. <laughs> Talk less of you, you don't even know the complex things that make up such a thing. Yeah. Do you get what I'm trying to say? Your responsibility for every human being is for your own soul. If everybody takes care of their soul, all the systems will be okay. All the society will be okay. Everything will be okay. The best thing you can do for the world is take care of your soul. <laughs> if you can go through life, let's say some decades, 18 years, nine, whatever, you, you're able to go through life, and in going through life, you took care of your soul. When you meet God, God will tell you, I've, I never required anything more from you. You have done all I have asked you to do. That's what that rich man, what will it profit you to gain the whole world? You know, gaining the world might not be gaining all the money. He might have been fixing everything, all the things, and all. who knows how many movements he was involved in. But losing your own soul. Your own soul is what is the job that was given to you. Say soul. soul. My soul. My soul, that's where, glory to Jesus. That's where it is, amen. So, Satan did that job um, 
for, for God is for, you have to bring a worthy opposition, right? You have to bring, you have to, if you are raising an institution to produce sets, to produce a certain kind of competence in the exam for graduating must be at the level of the challenge that that institution is meant to, to, uh, to solve. Amen. Amen. So the school of everlasting life is the, is the school of overcoming Satan. Right? Is the school of overcoming Satan. And they overcame him, Revelation 12, by the blood of the Lamb. That, the word blood of the Lamb is, is through the blood of the Lamb. As, is, as the, you are, the, the blood is releasing its pigmentation. Yes, it is translating into an overcoming. Do you see that? The blood of the lamb. And then they, will not, they are waiting for the word of their testimony. The word of their testimony is the testimony of what the blood has done. It's not just a testimony. There's a testimony in the blood. But it's, that's not the one that they are waiting for. They are waiting for their testimony. It's so as the, the amount of what work the blood has done is the amount of testimony that they have. So it's clear that the operation of the blood within produces a word of testimony. Amen. What is, what is the meaning of word of testimony? That's a legal language. It's against an adversary. Because a lawyer is bringing an accusation. You need a testimony. That can that can gainsay that has, is higher than the accusations of the adversary. You have to be able to make a case that is greater, but not a case that you copy. is a is a life case. It means that your life must speak better things. It must be able to to bring every answer against the what the the rap of Satan, what Satan is. And you know, he stands, the Bible speaks in that chapter, he accused, the, the, they call him the accuser of the brethren that accused them before God day and night. I heard a loud voice saying in heaven, now is come salvation and strength and the kingdom of our God. And then the word, the power of his Christ for the accuser of our brethren is cast down, which accused them before our God, what they nonstop accusing. What's that accusation? The accusation is just constantly reminding God, they can't sit, she can't sit, she can't sit, she must not sit. She cannot sit according to the laws of the throne. This person cannot sit. So it's clear that you can't separate overcoming the accusation of Satan from fulfilling the requirement of the throne. Glory to Jesus. Amen. Amen. So our Lord Jesus, he... Of course, he was the first person who was helped. He was helped to overcome. He says, I overcame, you overcome and sit with me. As I overcame and I sat. And how did Jesus overcome? He followed the tutelage of his father. 
Then when Jesus overcame, when he sat, he became an advocate. Right, the word advocate is what they call a mediator. The one who, who's an, an advocate, so we have an advocate. My little children, these things are right unto you. First John 2 verse 1, that you sin not. If any man sin, we have an what? Advocate with the Father, that is Jesus Christ the righteous. This advocate here is not saying you have sinned. So Father, please forgive him. Don't be mad at him. I beg you, please, temper justice with mercy. And Father will say, eh, because of you, I've forgotten. I won't, I won't do anything. You know, we mistake God like that. We think that all our sin is doing is making God angry. Right? And somehow we see God as ourselves. The way when someone offends you, you get angry. Do you see that? Then we feel like that's how God is feeling. It's true. God gets angry when you sin. But his, angry does, his anger does not last. Yeah. I mean, his anger, his anger doesn't last. <laughs> the honest truth is that most of the time you're not the one he's angry with. There's somebody who is eternally angry with. Satan. He knows every sin is coming from him. When it comes to the feeling of ang- being angry about sin, God has that feeling. But it's not about you. It's about what? Satan. Even if he was angry at you, he can't. God who advises you to forgive when they hurt you. <laughs> so you think he himself does, he will not do that. You think he will now hold it against you. You have seen, you sinned in 1990, that thing. God is not like that. And it doesn't mean you can't hurt God. You can hurt God. You can offend God. And when you sin, you actually offend God. But God's offense doesn't last. It's the way he, what he tells you to be is how he is. That's how he is. Before you, you do it, he has seen it. He has already adjusted his heart towards you. That's what he wants you to do to your brethren. How you should be able to bear each other, bear one another, all of those things. God is like that, even more than you. Do you understand? God is like, that's exactly how God is. God doesn't carry grudge against you. You know, we felt that way, that, ah, I just grieved the Holy Spirit. So, but it's not really, it's you that you just feel disconnection from God until later you've forgotten that you did it. Then you now feel like, ah, as if you, you now come as if you've never seen before because. It's our own feeling. <laughs> <That's>... <laughs> there are times when the Holy Ghost will actually prick your heart, but it's, it's to let you know. You get what I'm saying? Like when your child is doing something bad, you change your face. That there's some, it's healthy to do that as a parent. If you're not doing that, your child, your child will be bad, you understand? <laughs> and, and especially when the child has not gotten to a place where they understand discussion very well. It means you can't explain to them in detail why this is wrong, why you shouldn't have done that. Like my daughter Eva right now. All she understands is face language, tone of voice, no. Now she, and that's the one she knows right now. And I, I programmed her, no explanation. I just programmed her that 
Once you hear no, that's it, you can't. <laughs> so she's, she wants to touch something, she just hear no. <laughs> Sometimes she will, she will stay small, she will, she will drop her hand. Ah! She will, she will, I've seen her, she will be around. She knew that she, she wants to touch it so bad, but she can never. As long as she has heard that no, she won't, she won't touch it anymore. And that no, there's a tone inside the voice. That, uh, that's how God is sometimes. So it's not really about him being angry with you. He, just, he, has, he has to try and let you know that uh, that thing you are doing is not good. So the role Jesus is playing with the Father, it's not really about maybe when you pray, Lord, forgive me, then God will not be happy back. It's not really about that. It's that sin is bad. Do you see that? Sin is bad. It's not sin. It's not, it's not just about how sin makes God feel. Do you get? If it's like that, what sin will you commit compared to what Satan has done? You know, you can't, you can't even break God's heart like Adam did. Do you get what I'm trying to say? When it just comes to the weight, that what the kind of sin that will make all, and you've not committed that kind yet right now, that will make all, you will change the destiny of all of God's creatures. All of them, those who are not born yet, those who will come later, all of them, you just, by one man's disobedience. Do you get what I'm trying to say? Okay, what about the sin of Lucifer, where everything actually came from? You get what, so if it's about God feeling bad, God is it's not really it's not about that. It's more that God feels bad about sin, but God it doesn't it doesn't immobilize him. He's thinking about the impact on you. That's where we miss the Bible. We, when we only focus on, is God angry with me? Some people believe that God is too nice. God can't throw somebody into a lake, or you can't throw somebody. I can such a nice God. Man, such a shallow level. I can such a nice God throw somebody away. It's not about God being nice or not being nice. It's that everything is useless, it's useless. Like it's like you, you, you made a car and then the car is now bad, it's damn destroyed. Then you now start feeling bad. How can such a nice man go and throw away a car? No, it's not useful. You move it. You get what I'm saying? Somebody who is going to lake at that point, when, when someone falls into that state of going to lake of fire, God cannot have a feeling about you the way he feels for human beings. Do you get? Because God knows you are no longer a human being. You are no longer, in other words, you've lost everything about his image, right? Everything that, you know, how God created a man in his image. That's where, when you see God having compassion on men, right, it's because of his image in them. God sees that and he has compassion. He, has, he feels all kinds of things about human beings. But when a human being destroys that image, you know, that image, the destruction of God's image in man is what you call second death, right? Yeah, that's second death. Once that image 
It's been destroyed. That Genesis image, that thing. Do you agree with me? <laughs> Once it's been fully destroyed, I mean, of course, in the spirit, not sorry, in the soul, not in the spirit. Because every person, whether you like it or not, you have an attribute of God's image in your soul. You have the attributes of it in your soul. But once that is completely gone, so those who go to lake are not, the Bible called them, is it vessels of wrath or something? They are, they actually, they are fashioned for destruction. They are, they are, they are, their type of nature calls for, like Satan, for example. God can't be crying and having mercy. Ah, Lucifer, Kai, can you repent? Or God is not like that anymore. God can't have that feeling because that entity is not, is no longer what God created. Right? If a person undergoes second death, you are no longer a human being. In God, no. The Bible calls you a beast. That's what beast means. That beast wasn't born a beast. Revelation 13, he was born a person. The beast had the image of God. He's a man, right? He had the image of God. He had the image of God at some point. But there will be a time when he destroyed that thing. He took the seat of Satan and everything. At that point, God can't relate with you. So God doesn't feel bad, actually. You know that God feels bad when people are going to hell, but God doesn't feel bad when someone is going to the lake of fire. He doesn't have such a feeling for such a person because you're no longer a person. You are a beast. You get, you get what I'm trying to say? So, and that kind of, des- that kind of a destination is what God sees where Satan wants to take every man to. And say, God knows Satan can do it. Do you see that? He knows. He knows if care is not taken, if we don't introduce some remedy, if we don't do some things, if we leave men and Satan, Satan will take every man to the lake of fire. That's what he wants to do. Do you see that? So, the fa- and let me tell you something. The fact that you're a Christian, you have the image of God still today, doesn't mean you can't go to the lake of fire. Now, turn to somebody. Turn to, don't be afraid. Tell them you can go to the lake of fire. Yeah, I want, yes, I want them to hear it. Can, say can. It's the Bible, and it's good for you to know. Now, tell yourself. Okay, let's not use the word can. It's can, but let's mild it. Okay, let me stop. Let me not scare you. But because you get the message, right? Uh, don't say anything. Because let's do only positive confession. So you are going to the new Jerusalem. You are going You are going to the. <laughs> you are going to God, though. I'm not just saying it; I'm prophesying to you, and I'm saying to you. 
in the name of Jesus. You have no other landing point. Through mercy, they will, they will shut every other path of life. Any path that will want to take you away from that glorious destination. Heaven, they will go ahead of you. They shut them down. Through dealings of mercy, dealings of grace in your life. Any, any path that tends to destruction, heaven will destroy them. As far as you are concerned. When your brain begins to think of going some certain way, mental block, mental things will begin to happen to you. You, you won't feel okay. You won't feel okay. In Jesus' name. But you have an adversary. You must know. So when God wants to begin to bring, to make you saved, and make you safe, he must teach you about this adversary. Do you understand that? You must know. Now, the closer he is, the more the chances someone can go to the lake of fire. That, that's why you have to be sensitive about the times you're living in. Right? There was a time when he was, he was still far away. That where men has journeyed to, there was a time that Satan was so far away that it was not really possible for a person in one lifetime to arrive at the lake. At lake. I mean, just by conventional means. Unless something happened to you and you found some pathways. There are some people like that. Someone like Judas. Out of all the 12, Judas had special anointing and dealings. You understand what I mean? <laughs> to quickly accelerate his soul to a point where Satan can live comfortably inside of him and be persecuting Jesus through him. Such a person. And for every generation, there are people like that. There are people who find a way to give themselves so badly to the devil. You understand what I mean? That they expire after some time. But generally speaking, in maybe thousands of years ago or so, men haven't journeyed that far. Why? Because the image of God in them was still had some level of volume. Right? That is, is, no matter how bad you try, say you're smoking, you're doing this, you're womanizing, think of all the bad things, you know, tending to real bad stuff. Before you do and do and do and do, you're already like 90. Strength has gone. You understand what I mean? They'll say it's now time to go. You don't have enough years to fulfill. That's why God was shortening years. From almost 900 and something years, men were living. God kept bringing it down. And the more the image was disappearing, the more God was reducing the years. So that man would not have enough time on earth to, you know, to expire himself. But there will be a time when there's nothing they can do anymore. God has gone towards like years, 70 years, 80 years, 60, and all of that. And then so there are different ways that God can even use now. Sometimes he can even kill some people earlier. Praise Jesus. But because we are getting to the point where there's so much destruction, destruction that wasted at noonday. What that means is that destruction is so strong that it doesn't need to, to get to night to occur. Right? Those are season of dangers. The other Psalm, this is Psalm 91. 
was talking about season for the, the pestilence that walketh in darkness. That's one thing. It's not the same as a destruction that wasted at noonday. If the one that wasted at the one that walketh in darkness hides. Do you get what I'm saying? It's talking about a kind of a, a, a devouring that has to be in a cloak of some kind of darkness to devour. Once you shift out of that darkness and it comes to the open, what will happen? It can't do too much anymore. There are some kind of evils of sins of, of men that men must hide to do. A lot of the kind of evils that have been on the earth, men must, they are shameful, men don't come out. But today, right, we are dealing with destruction that wasted. It doesn't care if it's noonday, it's still wasting. That what wasting means, it's souls, people. Is eating people and wasting. This one, nations do it collectively. Nation, a whole corporation can be doing it. A whole nation can be doing it. A whole continent can be doing it. And they are proud about it. They term it advancement. All kind of fancy, they used fancy noonday names. <laughs> Means name that doesn't need to hide. For example, feminism is a noonday name. We're just fighting for the cause of women. It's a noonday thing. Nobody is ashamed to do that. But when you check inside it, it can have been pregnant with destruction. Do you understand what I'm trying to say? So be careful about noonday things. Things that don't hide. Any, that, that you can be proud of and say, this is my cause. This is what I'm doing. This is what I'm living for. I'm proud of these things. Satan has moved from Pestilence that walketh in darkness, the devil, and then they are moving into what? Destruction. So what, they, what it means is that you don't have to have a secret life to be perishing. That's the evil of our day. You perish openly with pride, with dignity. Your perishing is tied to your culture. And it's tied to your, what people pat you on the back for. That's the perishing. Do you get what I'm trying to say? <clears throat> so God sees that. And God knows that Satan wants to get every man to that place. Right? So that's why the one that begins to happen, the visitation of God has to be more and more intense. More and more deliberate. Right, God is, he has to bring about redeeming of time. Right, so one of the sense that you must have in the last day is a sense to hide. Sense to hide from evil. The idea of hiding is that you don't hide when everything has gone. You hide when you still have something to protect. Do you understand that? That's why they keep telling you now is the acceptable time. Now is the second Corinthians chapter six. Now is the day of salvation. Praise God. Let's see. Second Corinthians six verse let's see from verse one very quickly. Men, we then as workers together with him beseech you also that you receive not the grace of God in vain, verse two. Um, thank you, Father. For he said, I have heard thee in a time accepted. 
the day of salvation have I so called thee. Behold, now is the accepted time. Behold, now is what the day. Remember this chapter is one way it's beginning to speak later about the God's desire. I will, I will be in them. I will dwell in them. I will walk in them. I will be there. It's not telling now. Therefore, come out. That statement is an urgent statement. It means he's speaking to people who have not been separate, who are still touching the unclean thing, who are still in all those places. But such people can be Christians who have some level of image of God in them. Because of that, they feel, I'm assured, I'm going to heaven. Why do I need all these things? The fact that if God comes today, you'll go to heaven. Doesn't mean you will go to heaven if he comes 10 years from now. If they leave you on the earth. And you can't see the kind of destruction that will be on the earth. It's not when the destruction lands. You start, hey, what do we do today? No, that is too late. It's like the time of Noah. Noah kept running there. Flood is coming. Flood is coming. You must have sang it. Flood. Those who only respond to music. Everything to tell them, it is coming. But when your sounding is coming, sometimes, man, because you look at the sky, how, you mean with all this sun, all these things, how can flood be coming? That's the sense of this thing. That's, that's why you should be, fair. Don't, be don't be profane. You say, ah, all these gods sitting on the throne, all these things, they seem too far for me. I'm just stay my level. My question is, can your level be okay 10 years from now? Or, or the, let's say, how many years do you have on the earth? If you, do you have enough to sustain yourself for those decades without going to the lake of fire? Do you get what I'm saying? And there are things that are not in your control. The fact that they are bringing the word to you now, this might be your chance. You say, but other guys are not doing it. I mean, you don't know. Other guys, their own chance might be, let's say this destruction is coming 10 years, nine, nine years and <laughs> two months. <laughs> Oh boy, man, things don't change. Hey! Ah! You mean you've been hearing this word since? <laughs> and who knows, if it's not your season, it might not be your season. Hmm? Do you think that, that, that this word will always be there? You can change when you like. Do you think so? Okay. All the things you've wanted to change since, why have you not changed? Do you understand what that? It's just changing, just easy. That's it. After, in two years' time, I'll become serious. Is it that easy to just become serious? <laughs> Have you tried doing something seriously for years before? I know one single progress. <laughs> it's not in your hand, times and seasons of salvation. God is the one who is, is in charge of the church. He will say, let these ones go first. Let's bring a season for these ones. You don't know what intercession has gone, what Jesus has done on your behalf to grant you this season. Do you get what I'm saying? So that's why, and this is a law of responding to God. It's while he is near. Do you get? That's when you, you do what? You seek him. There will be a time he will come near your side. Hey! Hmm. You don't, you don't have his GPS control. When he comes near your side, seek him. 
while he may be found, call him while he is near. After some time, he might go. He wants to just come and magnet you so you can go with him to another zone. But if he leaves you, you don't follow. He has moved. God moves, man. keep teaching. Praise Jesus. So you get the point I'm trying to make? Yeah, so there's a kind of a consciousness of our adversary we must have. You don't have it in a blind way. That's the reason for so much knowledge, is to, to open up your, your... Don't see devil as just devil. So no, no, no. You, your soul must be aware. You must be educated about what he's doing. His strategies his plans. You should have an idea of, of, of to perceive his movement, his motion, his agenda. Well, you can't read Satan's agenda if you don't read God. That's how you can. It's those who, are, who read God. Part of the benefit of knowing God is that he gives you an insight into what his adversary is doing. Because God is, is bringing remedies against the word, the, what the enemy is trying to do to souls. Praise Jesus. Yeah. Amen. Yeah. So in the spirit, there is that concept of following, right? That you, you have to, you have to, Catch the Lord. Do you see that? You must catch the Lord to follow him. Praise God. If, if your goal in, in your heart, and this is one thing you have to work on, anything in you that's making it optional to sit on the throne, fight that thing and kill it. You get what I'm saying? When you're talking about that dimension, that thing that shuts down, I'm not, no, 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 fight it. Let that thing about the throne be something that you, let's read that revelation quickly, please, before we come back. There's no time, but, um, because this place is, not, you know, it's a church they were addressing, right? When you read about the church, you see the attitude that the church had about this thing. Let's see verse 14 quickly. It says, And unto the angel of the church of the Laudations write, These things say the Amen, the faithful and true witness, the beginning of the word, of the creation of God. I know thy works, that thou art neither cold nor hot. I would, I would, that, thou, I would that thou wert cold or what? Hot. So then, because thou art lukewarm and neither cold nor hot, I will spew thee out of my mouth. 
Now, let me tell you something about this kind of state. This is not unbelievers for sure. These are not people who are just beginning to learn Christ. This is not really, these are not people who have maybe perfected Christ. These are people, they don't know just have charity. How do I know they don't have charity? God does not eat charity. Charity is for your, is for your brethren. And it's an indication to God that your, your land is ready for him to start his own source boundary, to plant his own seed, to grow his own tree, and to eat fruit from you. You see, so, so this is a church that has already gotten to fruit bearing in the divine life, in everlasting life. How do I know they are in the mouth of God? God is trying to taste them. Do you get this? Not a, when you hear lukewarm, not hot or cold, you might think, ah, I'm serious Christians. No, 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 no. This <laughs> not a serious Christian. God is not trying to taste an unserious Christian. You know what? It's not <laughs> You're not even near the place where God will consider. He doesn't even see you. <laughs> it means that God has already done things. This, their land has been fertile. God, the, the, the seed of the divine life has been sown, has grown, and brought some kind of fruit. It's the final test for sitting on the throne. It means... Their, the fruit or their works should have brought forth and God wants to, is trying to now begin to taste it and then it's tasting lukewarm lukewarm praise God say because thou art lukewarm and neither cold nor hot, I will do what? Spew thee out of my what? mouth. Because now once God begins to spew out grapes or fruit from his mouth, that tree is in danger. Because in the, the ministry of the Father, it begins to... You know, Jesus described him in, in John chapter 15. My father is the husband man. He, he now begins to monitor the branches. He brings his own, he's, he's, he's cutting off time. You understand what I mean? It's not, you get what I'm trying to say. So when, when God is spewing you out of my, his mouth, he, he will still, he's giving you a chance to repent. And that's why it's, it's, it's the season of pruning. Right? And then Jesus, who is the one who is divine, who is bearing the, the, the fruit for God, he will begin to warn all the branches, all of you. Anyone that does not bear fruit, or does not, even if you bear fruit or you don't bear good fruit, what will happen? You will what? It will be, it will be poured that it may do what? Bring forth. So this, to me, this whole, whole tree, this church is like a tree that has many fruit on it. Do you see that? That the Lord is tasting and the Lord is what? He's eating. Praise God. I don't want to spend time there soon. Well, you get the concept. Um, so, verse 7, it says, because thou sayest, now these are the, the issues that they're having. That because thou sayest, I am rich and increase with goods, I have need of nothing. 
and knowest not that thou art wretched. You don't know you are wretched, miserable, poor, blind, and naked. Now this will make you also fear that someone can be in this place and then what? Yeah. Now how do you measure nakedness? You, you measure nakedness according to the habitat. You might be clothed for this habitat, but not clothed for another. Do you see that? And that's one thing in the spirit. Sometimes when you are your journey in the spirit, you think that what your, your clothing of a previous season, you can carry that. The journey to the tabernacle proves that you can't. What a Levite wear, nice. Israelites, they admire it. But you can't wear that into the holy place. When it's time, they must take the garment, everything afresh, clean you, wash you with water, bring fresh garment of a priest. You must enter with a fresh garment. Same thing, when you want to consecrate the high priest, you can't use the garment of the, of the sanctuary. You have to. So it means that someone who is a priest can be naked. If you take your priestly garment into the most holy, to God you are naked. Because what you are wearing does not constitute a covering here. Do you get what I'm saying? What you need to be covered with is something different according to another specification. So this kind of, these people, it's clear that what God was looking for in them is they should have had a kind of vesture, not just ordinary, that has been dipped in blood. There are all kinds of things around them that they should have acquired to make them able to sit upon the throne. But something deceived them in this kind of season to make them feel that they said that I am rich. So you get to a point, now you see all these riches, all these things, you might think about it as somebody who has money and is claiming, no, 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 this zone is not that, it's not, this is not a place of carnal Christians. So this kind of church, their sense of riches are spiritual things. Do you get that? The riches of this church is not looking for, it's not that I have so much millions in the bank, or if you take all the money, I am okay, or no, 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 these guys, they, for a long time, by the time their sense was switched from having corruptible things, it seems when they were just entering into the courts. You get what I'm saying? It's, it's separation is what re- changes that sense. That's what it means to be separate. You lose your sense of what is actually riches. It stopped from being carnal to being spiritual. They've lost that thing in a long time. So I can guarantee you that everything that they're speaking about here are talking about ornaments. Yes. It, it can be some of the things they picked up in the holy place, yes. right? When they, some, even, some even materials of the most holy, but are not what is required at this dimension when it's time for tasting, when it's time for God to begin to taste your fruit. By that time, the most holy garment must have been fully weaved and all the ornament of that garment should have been present. So you see, sometimes in the spirit, provisions that come at a certain level is what fights against you. And the next one. 
Do you get? And some, some souls can't calibrate that thing, right? Some souls will feel like, ah, but I'm not pursuing money anymore. I've given up on all money. I've given up on carnal pursuit and all that. Why am I still feeling like I'm not really, you know, the Holy Ghost is still talking to you that you're not doing well. There's still you know, things that you need to come into. But you're, you're used to your spirituality being losing value of carnal things. But they say, no, no, no. All, all you are saying might just be that you have worn this garment for some time. It's time to wear the next one. But the funny thing is that when you wear a garment, men clap for you. And as long as you still have that garment, men will still be clapping for you. Wow, beautiful brother. You're so out. I, I just love your way about the things of the spirit. I love how you, you know, there's something unique about your kind of, anytime you just, whenever you just pray, we know that God is with us. I like, I just like when you discuss Bible. You know, that can be a thing. That can just be something they did in your soul that appears beautiful when it comes to the thing. And it's not ordinary. Only the Holy Spirit can give those things. Spiritual, when it comes to weaving spiritual things, giving the soul, natures. You know, you are so hospitable. You are so beautiful. Right, there can be attribute of that, which is part of your spirituality. And the way you can stay in that. Do you get what I'm saying? And always keep checking. I've given up all these things for God. I'm okay. No, there are higher things in the spirit. They come into a season, they will say, with all these things you've acquired, that's nice. Can you take more? There are higher ornaments for a, a zone. That whatever, it means that whatever thing you have, it can become more pure. It can become more pure, can become more, more refined spiritually. It can become more powerful, can become more spiritual. And then there will be a time when they will say, we now, we now want to change it and replace this thing with the divine one. They can tell you, you are a man of charity. All the brethren know you. When we, when we want to teach charity, we know that you are the one that pastor is talking about. When, we are te- when they are teaching charity, we have, been en- we have been eating your fruit since. The whole brethren have been enjoying your fruit of charity. And that can be nice. But there can be a season when they will not come and tell you, this love you are showing, we want to now give you the divine one of it. Do you get what I'm trying to say? It's, it is still love. It's still what it's... It's the, we want to give you the type that God can taste. Do you understand? Thank you, Jesus. A time. This is where I as I'm teaching, the Lord will be saying things. Amen. I'm not shutting down prophecy. It's just that I'm also very convinced there are things the Lord wants me to say. So it's possible maybe that's part of the interpretation of of the tongue. Hallelujah. Amen. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Thank you. Yes. Yes. Thank you. Yeah. So, so sometimes you love at a certain level, but okay, when you are doing your charity, charity is the, is the kind of love of the brethren. 
and it can come out of a pure heart and of faith unfeigned. But there's a way you can be doing charity. You are not doing it with a concept of endlessness of life. Do you get what I'm saying? That one, the sense of that kind of charity, it breaks limitations. No matter how nice your charity is, it still has limitations. You will get there. You get what I'm saying? Some, some situation will manifest that this is the limitation of this kind of love. But there will be a season before they want to move you into another kind. But, but, but it's not that easy to move if you still take validation from, you know, imagine you are a spiritual brother and spiritual brethren commend you. Do you get what I'm trying to That is the garment you are wearing. They're not commending you for, for kind of things, for spiritual things, fruit that you have. Praise God. Those things are riches. He said, verse 17, because thou sayest that I am rich and I'm increased with goods. I have, you see those goods, they are actual goods in the spirit. They are not things that will pass away. And I have need of nothing. Knowest not that thou art wretched, miserable, poor, blind, naked. This are, these are the kind of thing. No, when it says knowest thou, knowest thou not, it means that you should know. You get what I'm saying? So, can you see where the blessing is? The blessing is somebody who has been once adorned to come into knowledge that he's naked. It's like, it's because he has begun to receive another standard. He's begun to see. You got to a point where the lack of the clothing, of divine clothing, should begin to move you into a season of desperation, no matter how spiritual you are. You know how you were first hungry for spiritual nature? And many of us still have that hunger. There will be a time when they will begin to, you have to, that hunger has to arise for the divine nature. But by that season, your concept of being validated by people, men, must have ended. Because when it comes to the divine life, only the Father. That's one secret. In Christ, brethren can validate you. Do you understand? That's one, one thing about divine nature and divine life. In the realm of the divine life, it is the Father. He is the vine dresser. He is the one who watches. You move into zone of secret things. Do you get what I'm saying? Amen. Amen. The verse 18 says, I counsel thee to buy me gold, of me gold tried in the fire, that thou may be rich, and white raiment, that thou mayest be clothed, and that the, the shame of thy nakedness do not appear, and then anoint thine eyes with what I salve, that thou mayest what see. Amen. So he's asking you, you need to buy a few things, gold, then you need to, uh, you need to buy what? 
white raiment. Amen. Amen. So this white raiment is talking about the raiment of that the preparation for overcoming. Do you see that? That's what Revelation chapter 19. When you say the wife has made herself ready, was granted to her to be what? Arrayed in white, what? Linen, which is clean and white, which is the word? Righteousness of saints. And I told you that marriage is, is what? Is the school of overcoming. That's why here, is he that overcomes. It means they haven't overcome. But this, this clothes, these guys have not gotten the most holy garment. What they call white raiment is the, is the most holy garment for overcoming. Praise Jesus. So as many as I love, I rebuke and chase them. Be zealous, therefore, and repent. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. And if any man hear my voice and open the door, I will come unto him. I will come in to him. And I will sup with him. And he with what? With me. And to him that overcometh, will I grant to sit with me in my throne. Even as I overcame, I, I sat down with my father in his throne. And he that hath an ear, let him do what? Let him hear what the Spirit is saying. Now, I want you to see the, there's a, a picture here. See the man who is bringing this counsel. You know, that's the beauty of these this chapters to this book to the churches. Praise God. In verse 14, said, To the angel of the church of the Laodiceans. So, of course, this message is coming from Jesus. But not just Jesus, it's, it's through means of ministry. It's through the angel of the church from the angel of the Lord by the Spirit. Is what the Spirit is saying to the churches. But when, uh, what the call Spirit is saying to the churches, you have to trace it back to the beginning. Our John was, the, was the, in the Isle of Patmos, and then uh, and I, I was in the Spirit. Yeah. You remember what I said? That's why they are telling you, it's the Spirit that's saying this thing. But in our post book about this message, actually, it is the one that which Jesus gave unto his, his servant. But not just servant. It's the revelation of Jesus, which God gave to him to show to his servant, John. Then he sent and signified it by his angel. So if it's clear that you can see his angel is different from the angel of the particular church, right? And you can see what is a message quickened by the spirit. Are you seeing that? But at the end of the day, everything you are seeing here, you have to trace it back to person. That is the key signature of the book of Revelation. That's what makes Revelation different from epistles. Everything that you see here, in some way or some form, is represented in the rest of the Bible. But the book of Revelation is different. The book of Revelation is a definition of the message 
When I say message, I mean message means doctrine. It's an insight into the doctrine of the person of Jesus. Do you see that? That's what is. Then they have to, to send out that, that idea of, of to teach the doctrine. They have to send it, what is true, what they call signification. When I say they signify it, it means it's to bring out a message via signs. That's why the book of Revelation is full of signs. It's signifying the, the message of Jesus. Praise God. Amen. 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 So you see, this Jesus, this person, this person, this man, is who Isaiah saw. Yeah. Is who Isaiah. Isaiah was a prophet. If he's a prophet, you can't be a prophet unless you have consumed the law. He has a law. He has a message. He has all kind of things. And he was shouting, whoa, 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 until chapter 6. He said, I also saw the Lord. He saw the Lord on the throne. Then the Lord showed him that being on the throne has a train. The train talks about the record of his passage. Not by precept. Train means where he walked. He's talking about, it's actually like, it's a trail of his walk. That is what is trained. And he's answered that this is the Tino that filled the temple. Is it, this vision is not an ordinary vision. This vision ended in a, puri- a kind of purification. You can't see this kind of thing. <laughs> what he did for Isaiah. What he, to see this kind of thing. This, this is also a kind of signification. One thing about the ministry of the person of Jesus is that Jesus ministers he has a visionary ministry. And is a sign of his kind of person. Means that he is the man who makes men see. Do you get what I'm trying to say? He's a man who do what? Jesus, when he comes around you, you can feel his presence initially. Which the Holy Ghost begins to move around you. But when Jesus stays with you for some time, pop, you begin to see. That's the sign of Jesus in the post-resurrection Jesus. Those MIOS guys, he was talking with them, with them, with them, until he just sat down. He talked and talked and talked. They didn't understand what he was saying. Then he sat down. He opened up his vision ministry, which is demonstration of some sort. Who knows what that breaking bread meant? I don't know. There's something about that and Jesus. As he did that, whoa! Who is this man? Something happened to them. Jesus is powerful. Now, do you know that when I say it's not just any kind of vision, Jesus' type of vision is vision of revelation. That when you are seeing, it might not, the vision might not be vision of just seeing him. It, it will be vision, it will be his presence quickens seeing. I feel like it has to do with the particular anointing on Jesus. You know, Jesus anoints apostles severally different shades, and some are very teaching, revelational, precept-oriented, ways or different kind, but there's an anointing of Jesus. When the person himself, Jesus, you know, you know anointing are not the same. But that's one thing in the, in the spirit that's unique. Every entity has their unique anointing. When you see Paul, 
You relate to Paul. You smell Paul anointing. You go to John. You smell John anointing. They are unique in their own way. When you come to Jesus, Jesus has his own anointing. And each anointing manifests in a unique way. Unique way. You start to see. When Jesus appeared, I believe when he appeared to Paul, he was teaching him Bible. But I can imagine the kind of experience. It would have been Bible with also visions. I, I know Paul saw visions. You can't write so clearly without seeing vision. You get what I'm trying to say? When Paul is explaining what grace is, for example, you can't be writing that clearly about grace by what Jesus told you. Jesus, Paul must have had visions of graces. Who knows what Jesus would have showed him? But through the Bible, maybe when he's teaching him Old Testament, there, there's a way that he would do it. But Jesus' own personal ministry. One thing that's common with people who met Jesus, who have found an encounter with Jesus, is vision. Like Daddy Hagin, if you read, I believe in visions. You see, the Lord, you see, he shows him. When Jesus comes personally, it opens his eyes. But you find that Jesus' appearances, actually in the New Testament dimension, are usually extremely scriptural. But Jesus has the ability to use vision to teach scripture. It's not like vision to show you something. No, no, it's, it's for. That's, it's, you see, those visions are what made Daddy Hagin solid in the Bible in doctrine. When you see Jesus' kind of vision, the vision is anointing create. You'll be seeing the Bible. His vision points to the scripture. The scripture opens up. Are you seeing that? So that Isaiah kind of vision, you see that thing of concerning the temple, beginning to show him the train of his temple. Isaiah described it they now went into describing. So it's clear what Jesus showed Isaiah is to quicken vision, his part in the temple. Then began to show him the sanctification of temple beings, seraphims. That Jesus is the one who did that. Similar to what they quickened to John. John saw the elders, saw four living creatures, saw seraphim, saw, I get what I'm trying to say. Jesus can do that. Glory to Jesus. Then he began quickly, let's just quickly read that place so we can close. Then he began to lament when he saw him. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Father. Glory to Jesus. Season. One cry to another, okay. Say, above it stood the seraphims, each one had six wings. With twenty covered his face, with twenty covered his feet, with twenty did fly. And one cried unto another and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. And the posts of the door moved at the voice of him that cried. And the house was what? Filled with smoke. Then said I, woe is me, for I am undone, because I am a man of unclean lips, and I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips, for mine eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. I love that. Mine eyes have seen the King. 
Mine eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. Then flew one of the seraphims unto me, having a live coal in his hand, which he had taken with the tongues off from the altar. And he laid it upon my mouth and said, Lo, this hath touched my lips, and thine iniquity is taken away, and thy sin word purged. And I also I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send? Who will go for us? And then said I, Here I am. What? Send me. Glory to Jesus. So he says that thine iniquity is taken away. This is talking about kind of what happens to you when you see Jesus. What happens to you? Let me tell you, Jesus appears at different levels. It's not just the eternal lamb, the amnion, <laughs> that one. That's not. If you're not, you need to start seeing Jesus from today. You need to see the king. See something about him. Let's say you can't even, you're not even seeing him on the throne. See the tip of his robe. Just see. Can you just see his robe in the sanctuary? Let there be something about your heart that longs for the person of Jesus. In her tongue, she was talking about that Malachi chapter 3. Right? The Lord whom you seek. So I will send for my messenger and he shall prepare the way before me. You see that? Prepare the way before me. The Lord whom you seek shall then suddenly come to his temple even the messenger of the covenant, whom you delight in. Now, you see this? I love those two words. Yes. First is whom you seek, whom you delight in. If you do those two things, he said suddenly. It means that you've been seeking for some time, then suddenly. It's <laughs> a suddenly. Kai, suddenly, suddenly. You know, when you are seeking, and suddenly it hasn't happened yet. You might be thinking your seeking is just, whether you seek or you don't seek, it doesn't matter. But there is a reward of them that seek. Yeah, you must believe that it rewards seekers. That if you seek Jesus, you will find him. Seek him. I know that you are learning precept. You are learning things about the Lord, sanctification. But my question, are you seeking him? Do you know that there's also a part of this thing? These things though, we'll be learning about you, Jesus. But I'm seeking you. I'm seeking you. I, you seek and seek to a point of delight. You, of course, you've not seen him yet. You must be delighted in something, in his precept. You delight in his precept. True delight of his precept is energy. You, after all, you begin to long for whom those things talk about. Then what will happen is suddenly, you can have a suddenly moment. Suddenly, moment he comes into his temple. Behold, he shall come, see the Lord of hosts. Verse 2. But who may abide the day of his coming? Who shall stand in his house as he appeareth? For it's like a refiner's fire and like a fuller's soap. Go on. And he shall sit. So imagine the Lord coming to sit. This temple is not a church, it's not, it's not, it's not here. You understand? I'm talking about your temple. Imagine the Lord Jesus coming to sit in your temple. 
He's not coming to sit there as the final God sitting, I will be in them. No, he's talking about a particular appearance of him. When he will just, he's not going, no. He's just, he will just come and sit. Temple, he, he say, I want to refine a priest. I'm going to take, I will take a seated ministry in your temple as a refiner and purifier of silver. He shall purify the sons of Levi, pot them as gold and silver, that they may offer unto the Lord an offering in righteousness. That's just what I sense the Lord saying today to talk, speak to you about his desire for a kind of an encounter, a kind of a visitation, kind of, of as a purifier, because he, he wants to show his holiness. You will have it by catching glimpses of his person in the spirit. They will, they will be magnet, magnetic vision, things that will never leave your consciousness, things that will, that it will become a compass for your life, a compass for your journey. When you begin to learn precepts with another dimension entirely, you begin to, because you are reading the Bible, seeing a man, seeing an entity who has encountered you. So shall it be unto you. Lord, I pray for everyone who desires such dissertation, who wants to, through, of course, being faithful to your precept, but having some kind of encounter with your person, with your own ministry, that you will visit such heart that you will come to every one of us who desires this visitation, who looks for you. You'll come into our heart and you will sit as a refiner and a purifier of silver to purify everyone, to purify our souls until we can begin to offer, to make heaven an offering in righteousness. Thank you for that. I want to just speak to the Lord. You don't need long prayer, I assure you. If your heart is right, 30 seconds. Just in your language, in tongues, I just want you to have a personal contact. Just say, this message, I want this thing. I want and I register my desire, Lord Jesus. I register a desire, a longing, a longing for visitation from you, a longing for you to come. Help me. If you say, Lord, even I'm weak concerning seeking, can you help me to seek? Make me a seeker from today. Bring the delight into my heart. Every 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 Oh Marilena, oh Marilena, oh Marilena, oh Marilena, oh Marilena, hey Acastode, every Nasatire. Thank you. In Jesus' name, the Lord is saying, I will begin to bless you with the consciousness of my person. That you're learning the word, the scripture will be in your mind. My precept will be before you. Amen. The Spirit will bring those to your remembrance. But, but Lord, the Lord is saying, I'm also going to increase consciousness of my person. Amen. That 
you will no longer be journeying without being conscious of me. Amen. That I'll begin to bring the ambience, the feeling of the actuality of the things which you are learning. Amen. Bring assurance to you. You will know for sure that you are, you are following a man. Amen. You're following a being. And my presence will become stronger with you. Amen. I'll become more present, more manifest, even in your life and even in your heart. Thank you, our Father. We honor you today and we give you the praise for visiting us, for coming to our midst and for blessing us. Jesus, we believe all that you have said. These are not the promises of a man. From the scripture, be made clear to us that you desire to visit us, to come and to sit and bring refinement. Lord Jesus, I pray you will bless every heart, bless every one of us to come into the reality of these things. Thank you, our God. We give all the glory and all the praise to your holy name. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 Hallelujah.